Have you ever wondered what it's like for other people to go through a life event? Is it the same for them? Is it different? And how? My name is Dr. Nikel Rogers-Wood. I'm a psychologist. I'm doing a podcast with my mom, Dr. Elsa Rogers, a retired dean of general studies. And we're going to be talking to different people about what it's like to go through a single life event at the same time. Our guests have shared so much with us this season, from who they are, to their experience of being diagnosed with cancer, going through that treatment, how they've handled it with their children. This episode, we're gonna talk about how all of that circles back into how they think about life and how they choose to live it. So in the first episode, something that I was musing about was the fact that I sometimes struggle to see the forest for the trees. And for me, that is, there's laundry to do, dishes to do. Did I run this errand? And I'm not thinking about how tomorrow's not guaranteed. And so each day is what creates a life. And when, if, if I am in a situation where I can look back on my life, when I, if I know that my life is ending and I can look back, Am I going to want to say, or am I going to be proud to say, well, I worked really hard <laughs> to make sure my house is clean and that my to-do <laughs> list was checked off. Yes. I don't, I don't know that I'm going <laughs> to be like, oh, that was my proudest moment. I ticked everything off my list. And so <laughs> I wonder, do you struggle with that? Because I'm in this life phase where I'm a working mom and well, my kids are getting older, so I'm, I'm a taxi service. So I wonder, but I always had this, this trouble. I was so task oriented. I know. <laughs> That's right. It was there. I was there. Well, and in some ways, you know, I got a lot of stuff done, but in other ways, I think I sometimes missed it. I, I had to be sometimes very intentional about, okay, I'm going to stop and I'm going to go do this really fun, frivolous thing. It, it does not come naturally to me. And so I wonder, do you struggle or, or if you don't struggle, how do you, how do you do that? You know, you have made me think because I have always been task oriented. I always say, okay, this has to be done, that has to be done. And it never dawned on me that I needed to stop to see the forest for the trees because in my tasks, I wanted to make sure that my kids were taken care of, that the house was taken care of, that the meals were cooked, that they were well-dressed, that they, you know, they were in school, everything. And it never dawned on me that, you know, tomorrow is not promised to anyone. It never did until my mother-in-law pointed out to me. Um, she, spent, she was spending a, a few days with us. And she stopped me one day and she said, Elsa, you have to stop and slow down. And I kept telling her, what are you talking about? She says, you're constantly going. You're just going, 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 going. You have to stop and slow down. And for quite a while, I just simply ignored it. And it was only until maybe about five or 10 years later, which was a long while, wow. that I finally understood what she was saying. And I suddenly realized, 
I really do need to slow down. But it never really bothered me because I felt that I did everything that I needed to do. What happened though is that it left very little energy for me. Mm-hmm. But I never really felt as though I was depriving myself until later when I figured I should have slowed down some. Yeah, it's it's so interesting that you say that because I, I mean, I had my kids later than you did. <laughs> I actually remember you coming to my house one time and you saying, gosh, you just, you seem so tired. And then we were talking and then you went, wait a minute, you were like almost done with high school when I was your age. And I was like, yeah, that's why I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. Small children. Um, right and that's and that's why I was not tired because I was I had I had all the energy but the <laughs> thing is and I think that this this also kind of touches on what we talked about about how kids are kind of picking up things from their environment I strive to be you know kind of at that same level of like mommy productiveness as I saw growing up I, and I actually had told my husband who who wants who always is like let's watch some tv just come chill and I'm like but there are dishes and you can't eat off my floor because there's somebody spilled something um and feeling like I'm depriving them of kind of a certain life experience if I don't do all of these things but at the same Mm -hmm. time I think also I'm not old but yeah not being in my 20s any longer, I'm realizing that, uh, you know, kind of the the challenge of getting older is realizing that you don't have unlimited energy and ability to kind of stress and tax yourself to the max. And I, I actually, this weekend was saying to my husband, I don't know what happened. Like, I feel like I am broken because I used to be able to just go and like hit the wall and just go some more. And he was like, yeah, but you've never been this age before. Have you? Correct. (laughs) Correct. Correct. And you have to, you have to make allowances for that. Yeah. As we age, as for someone who is aging, as we age, we have our reality seems to change a bit. And the things that we felt were important and that we could not survive without accomplishing them, they seem to fade a little, at least for me. I, they don't seem to be as important as they once were. Where long ago I would have said, okay, fine, uh, I need to do all my laundry. I need, the house has to be cleaned and mopped and all the baseboards have to be cleaned. I'd look at it and say, you know what? I'll do what I can do today and I'll do the rest tomorrow. Yeah, and I think that's really important because it's not just about, am I kind of missing the experience of like just hanging out with my kids while they still want to talk to me? I was actually teasing them about that this morning. We decided to walk to school. I was teasing them because my youngest was holding my hand and I was telling the oldest that, you know, she's moving into that phase where she doesn't like me all the time. And over the Mm -hmm. weekend and you were here, she had that face and it's what I call the, I'll cut you face. <laughs> I had a different name for it. <laughs> what was your name for it? That was the Nikel face. Oh, great! Thanks, Mom. <laughs> oh, karma. 
but I was telling, I was telling them, I was like, you're still enjoying being with me. And so I'm going to soak it up because after a while you're not going to like it. And they're like, no, no, no. And so we were being silly and laughing. Um, but it's, you know, you don't want to miss those things. Correct. But I also realize I don't want to miss my life, the the parts where I enjoy a sunrise or a sunset, or I just kind of soak in the experience of like my favorite time of day, because that's part of life too. And it just kind of what Lauren said resonates, but I struggle to let go of all the tasks because she said, you know, when you were diagnosed with cancer, whatever you had on your to-do list or on your schedule, like it doesn't matter anymore. And that is blatantly obvious. Exactly. And it's, I don't think it's just me, but I don't want to have to have such an abrupt and forced stop. I would like to be able to learn that. Um, but I, I, and I don't think I'm alone here in struggling to let go of some of these expectations and the rush, rush, rush. I wish that we could see what's important and just do that and focus on that. But, you know, I do have to take, um, I want to go one step back. You mentioned that you, you wanted to soak up having fun with your kids and everything else, but you also wanted to spend some time smelling the roses, the roses that you want to smell and mm-hmm. not necessarily those that the kids want to smell. Mm-hmm. And I believe that uh, that is something that parents I think parents, are, they have a misguided notion that they have to live 100% for their children. And uh, But what we have to recognize is we can only give to our children if we give to ourselves first. Well, and I, I sometimes feel selfish about that because I have, I, I have never felt bad about wanting to be an individual. There are things that I like that I know that, like, my kids won't like, and there are things that, like... My kids like that I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm bored to tears. But there is this guilt because I think my generation does define ideal parenting as kind of being there all of the time and my kids are my focus. I mean, if you look at social media, that is that is what is there. And actually, now that we t- we're talking about that, that might also motivate some parents who have cancer to not say anything because they want to maintain this exactly. very, um, v- very curated, carefully curated childhood for their child for their kiddo. But you know, I think that's where parents of the older generation were a bit different. In as far as we were not what we'll call helicopter parents, where we had to be around every activity, every minute mm-hmm. of the day. Remember when I when I used to let you guys know <laughs> I knew where you were. You were at the neighbor's house. I trusted the neighbor. I would I would pop in every once in a while, but I wasn't there one hundred percent of the time. I have a secret. I wasn't always at the neighbor's. Sometimes we just roamed. Oh my god. <laughs> just roamed. <laughs> so I told my kids and they were like, What? Mimi didn't know where you were. Um and but the fact is, I think too, we lived, and not to say that um, people have changed, but luckily we lived in an enclosed neighborhood and we had 
very few people around there who were strangers. We, we knew everyone and hopefully that saved you. But I wish I had known that before. Then I, I thought would... you knew that like I would go to this neighbor's house and then we would run through the woods and be all over the place. Yeah, we were everywhere. No, <laughs> there's this um, must have a good heart. <laughs> there's, heart. This, um, there's this kid show that I do enjoy yeah. called Bluey and the kids always had it playing in the background and I never really paid attention to it and mm. then recently they said oh mommy and daddy you have to watch this episode and it's called the 80s and my husband and I were just like falling over laughing because there are instances where the the dad says I'm going to take you know take you to this place called the 80s and he says <laughs> this was a time when there were no nets around trampolines kids rode bikes without helmets and the the children are horrified and my children said is that true? Said, yes. yes. <laughs> and there was an ep- there was a part of the episode where the kid goes off and without the parents, the parents just let them go off and you know, do something on their own. Uh-huh. And the kids were like, what? And the refrain is, it was the 80s. And it so was the 80s. That's what we say right. in our house. It was the 80s. Like, it, was, it was the 80s. Things were different. Getting back on track after that slight bluey tangent mom and I took, we learned from Amy what cancer has done in terms of giving her a different perspective. My perspective has changed on life. Like before it was always, what's the next goal in my career? And really that was motivated, I think more so for my single parenting years where to me, my job equaled taking care of my children. Um, whereas now, and also my childhood baggage of, am I enough? But that took a lot of processing too. And so now I just, I'm good. I'm good in the position that I'm in. My priorities are, my family was always my priority from my perspective. I just handle it differently now. Like I think we spend more quality time together now and I'm calmer about in different situations that may have stressed me out before. And, you know, it's just, I'm very conscious, like, is this really a big deal? No, it's not. <laughs> this is not a life or death yeah. situation. Yeah. And I bet that perspective <laughs> is mm-hmm. like that can, you can get there a little faster now where you're like, I can, this, nobody's going to die. So we're good. Correct. Right. And I had, I actually did use, I used to work in the ER as a child life specialist. And so I had some of that perspective already, Mm -hmm. but I think that this has definitely deepened it when it's like, okay, now I am literally facing a life or death situation. This, this, is this how I want to spend my time? Speaking of time, Sarah's experience of cancer also changed how she thinks about where to spend her time and with whom to spend that time. A hamster wheel is a great analogy because I've I say yes to everything at work. And Mm. again, I love, love the work that I do, but I think this has definitely made me step back a little bit. I am not traveling as much this year as I would have traveled. Um, My doc cleared me to travel, but I also haven't gotten on an airplane yet because I 
I think I might have a panic attack with that many people close to me at this oh, point. Like yeah. I'm still not feeling, especially since I'm still compromising my immune system on purpose. I don't feel like I'm in a place where I want to do that and works really supportive. So I think I've given myself permission to say no to more things than I would have said no to before. And, yeah. you know, it's helpful that I really love what I do. So I don't mind saying yes to everything, but now I'm like, wait a minute you know, I don't need to do this. Let's, I, we had a photo shoot last week that I could have gone all the way up to Boston for and said, hold up, could we send somebody else? Like, could I find somebody that's actually local? It'll cost us less money in the long run anyway. And it would be a lot less stress on me, which everybody is super supportive of. And then like next week is the last week of school for my daughter, but it's the last week of school. Like half of the days are half days anyway. And you know, they're not going to be doing a lot. And I have a conference coming up in North Carolina. That's at a really great location with a really fun water park. And oh. she's been with me when she was much, much younger. And so I sort of emailed their teacher and was like, look it after everything that we've been through in the past two years, yeah. I don't want her to miss learning, but if you tell me that there's not as much learning, <laughs> uh, I would really love to spend this time with her. You know, I think in the past I would have been like, oh gosh, it's four days of school. There's no way. But right. I think now my perspective is like, this is four days where we could spend together that I know she's going to create a lot of memories that are going to be meaningful for her. I would rather spend that time there knowing that, you know, they're probably not learning some new way to do, you know, multiplication in the last week of school. So I feel Correct. like that right. trade-off, I look at a little bit differently now. But, you know, I think um, I think having th that kind of experience, it actually changes perspective, it's changing your perspective on life, on what is important, mm -hmm. on what you need to do, and what you can leave until tomorrow, or just simply not do it at all. But I, I also think, though, it's a shame that we sometimes have to have to get to this point before we realize, you know, something we need to back away a bit. Yes, definitely. And like probably the biggest area that I've given myself like some grace is the house is not perfectly clean all the time. And that's just mm -hmm. the way like there's a lot of stuff I'm still not supposed to touch and do like cleaning kitty litter toilets like I'm not supposed to be very hands-on with those so I'm happy to use that as excuse <laughs> like oh there's a dirty diaper over there I think you're gonna need to handle that honey uh, which yeah. is nice but then you know I think where I would have been like killing myself on the weekends to like I've got to get the you know the whole house needs to be vacuumed I need to mm -hmm. get the steamer out I don't do as much of that I try to really like I have learned very well to listen to my body oh. um so I think I'm mm -hmm. I'm trying to think more about some of that self-care too. Is it the end of the world yeah. that the house isn't vacuumed on Sunday? Probably not. I exactly. think we can make it another week. And if I can get time that next yep. weekend, you know, then we'll figure it out and do it. But I've also, you know, I actually like weirdly gained weight during chemo. Like I think a lot of people picture like losing a lot of weight when you get really sick like that, because you're, you know, feeling ill mm -hmm. while getting all of this, you know, medicine that is very disruptive on your body. Uh, and mine was the opposite. I was feeling good. So they said, calories, calories, eat, eat, eat. So I did. Uh, and now I'm trying to get back into like, yeah, I'm trying to get into like, let's work out again and let's do things, but also like giving myself some grace that I am not where I was before. I mean, I used to work out every day at lunchtime before my diagnosis, 
I am not where I was and it's going to take me a while, Mm -hmm. you know, if I can even build back up to what I was doing before and I get frustrated sometimes then I have to like, why, why am I getting frustrated with myself? You know, I'm where I am now and I'm doing what I can do. But then also I think like we, we talk about, Oh, I need this body or that body. The body that you have right this minute fought leukemia. I'm like, pretty proud of this body. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like that's incredible. It did right. the amazing. So. Yeah, I think that's the bet. Like, that's the biggest thing. I would have been much tougher on myself. And it was a nice, like, I just purged my closet. Why am I holding on to clothes? It's like kind of purging after pregnancy, but right. I was usually able to kind of bounce back after pregnancy and fit in my clothes again. And this yeah. time I was like, why? Why am I holding on to all this stuff? Like, I need to be comfortable with who I am, where I am right now. So I just. Exactly. Really exactly. Yeah. Actually, I feel like that is even even for those who haven't had like the fight of their lives, being fully present, only having the clothes that really make you feel good, and you know, giving yourself some grace. If you exercised, great. If you didn't, okay. Are you living a good life? Yeah. I was very fortunate to go through this with just a tremendous amount of support from family. You know, we had moved down from Tennessee to Florida about two years before, like right before this happened. Um, when my two, like now three-year-old, he was eight Mm -hmm. weeks old when we moved from, uh, and we moved because my parents, my parents actually live two hours away in Orlando. So my mom was getting close to retirement. I travel a lot for work and we knew if we were down here, grandma would be able to come over more often. And when I was traveling, grandma could come and help my husband with the kids and all the kids stuff and activities that happen. So it was super fortuitous, you know, who knew then that this was going to happen now, but it helped. So we had a really nice family support network. My parents basically moved into our house for a period and were really hands-on and they're helping. But then Back to my love of my job in child passenger safety. I think I work in an industry that brings out a lot of really good people, you know, people that want to help kids. So I have this ridiculous support network from um, colleagues and friends that have become like family over the years. And I just, we had so much support and it was really helpful. And the power of like positive thinking, because at the end of the day, I was like, I have to be here for my kids. Like that's, yeah. you know, I don't care what happens. We need a plan. And the plan is I'm going to be here with the kids and you know, that's where it ends. So I tried to stay really positive throughout and had all of these fabulous people like thinking positive things, praying for me. Like, I feel like all of that, you know, it made an impact on me, which I feel like had to have made an impact on the overall outcome. Molly's journey also prompted her to look back and rethink where she's focusing her attention. When you're basically given a potential death sentence, you know, it it really makes you reevaluate your life and it makes you want to live more. And it, it also makes you want people to be happier, you know, and people to be more content with their life and to stop fighting about stupid things. It's like, you know, just learn to let things go and just learn to find your joy and pursue your joy even if everybody thinks it's weird or you know as long as you're not hurting somebody um but yeah it just makes me that's something I've realized very extensively with myself that it's 
made me very much want like because my caregivers coming out like Nikal, as I said are all close family and close friends and so it makes me like everybody wants to focus on me and my healing and I want to focus on them because <laughs> I want them to live and I want them to love and I want them to take chances and I want them to just really enjoy things that I may not get the opportunity to enjoy again you know and um and I'm not trying to be dark with that I just I don't know what my outcome will be I pray every day that I'll get what I want and be this fighting survivor who's has amazing kids that I get to see grow up and do all those things and you know with tech with the advancements in medicine it's not a it's not impossible to believe that I just I just know that I have a long battle in front of me and it's a battle that doesn't end with remission and I want people who don't have that kind of battle who don't live with you know constant health issues to really appreciate what they have and really to live and love and enjoy life because you just never know when a simple procedure will turn into a major surgery it's good advice it is it it, it is something that you realize and one last thing i do want to yeah. say is that um one of the things i've realized for myself is that counting blessings really helps because crappy things happen to everybody every day, you know, and there's a lot of really bad, you know, news, news that I got. You just heard some of my story and that's not even all of it. And there was just a lot of really like every just slap down days where it's just worse and worse and worse. And, and next week I do a bunch of tests to find out if the chemo is even working. So that'll either be really happy or really sad. You know, like there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of things that happen that are out of your control. But one of the things that's within your control is to count the blessings you have in your life. And, and I say that even if you don't believe in God, you know, like you can still appreciate the good things that people are doing for you in your life or good things that are happening for you. Because I could be really angry right now and I could be really depressed. And, and that's not to say that I haven't been angry at different points or that, you know, if the chemo's not working and I find out I'm terminal next week, that I won't be. I don't know what's going to happen then. You know, I'm sure I'll, I'll have more discussions with God that might be heated. <laughs> but I think he can take it. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. But overall, I haven't... I've asked God why several times, you know. But after the initial things I've just kind of settled into more incredible blessings that I have like I'm you know I I wasn't ever supposed to have kids and I have two kids I have a family that's incredibly supportive so much so that my parents picked up their life to come live in the middle of Texas with me so that they can help me raise my kids so I can be around my kids while I fight cancer I have a group of friends and family who are willing to take the rare time off that they have and instead of going, you know, go to Ibiza or the Caribbean <laughs> or some kind of crazy trip or, you know, do something with their families, their families are letting them take that precious time and take care of me, you know? And so I have this incredible time with my friends. And then I have um, friends who started a GoFundMe for me that 
enabled me to two things. One, people have been so generous with their money that I was able to bring my kids out here, which I didn't think I would be able to do. I thought I'd be in like some free halfway house, you know, or cheap halfway house with a caregiver fighting this kind of on my own with whoever, whichever caregiver was out here. And now I'm in a comfortable house in a suburban area with a backyard for my kids. And I wouldn't have been able to do that if it wasn't for the generosity of everybody who's given through that GoFundMe, you know? I know I'm going to have a ton of medical bills, and I'll, I'll be able to pay some of that off. And I, like, I have an extremely rare cancer, but I have a rock star team taking care of me, you know? Like, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't have a better team if I tried, taking care of me. The guy who is in charge of my treatment is the doctor who recently, as in like 2021, like that's how recently advances made on this rare cancer. He printed something, but who, who is the one who discovered the best way known to treat the cancer as of today. So I have like the leading surgeon on my case. And then all the rest of my team are doctors who have seen this cancer before, as incredibly rare as it is, and have treated this cancer before. Like I have this incredible support system that I wouldn't have been able to have. And even though I might not have the energy or feel well enough to run around with my kids, you know, or do the things that I want to do with my kids. Like, I still have them there. And even the days that I'm, like, quarantined because I'm toxic from the chemo or I can't, I'm just so sick, I can't even get out of bed, I can still hear them giggling in the living room, you know, and I have all of that stuff. I mean, if if I'm going to fight cancer, this is the best way for me to fight cancer is around people I love, you know, and with amazing team. And then on top of that, because I was willing to share my story, which I know a lot of people don't want people to know what they're going through, you know, and I get that and I respect that. But and and the GoFundMe, my friends had to really talk me into that because it seemed really humiliating to ask people for money, you know, and to ask and to just share such intimate details of my life, my struggle. But then in doing that, I've had people reach out to me that I haven't talked to since high school or that I met in traveling. People who I had really great memories with and it's just taken me down this path of memories that has been amazing and re you know reinforced the amazing life I've led and the the people I've met and I've had people reach out to me and tell me things I have done that have helped their life which most people don't get that opportunity those are the kinds of things that happen at your funeral or your celebration of life and I'm reconnecting with people who have like letters from me from like 15 years ago, stories of something small I did for them that sent them on a positive trajectory. And it's just been absolutely amazing. So again, I would reiterate, like count your blessings and ask for help when you need help. Because, you know, it's not bad to face humility. It's difficult, but it can really be rewarding. It wasn't until I started editing this final episode that I realized that Malu was our only guest this season who was still in that first year of cancer treatment. And we talked a lot about 
wondering what the scans would show after those first three rounds of chemo treatment. With Malu's permission, I'm happy to report that she's gotten some encouraging news over the last few months. At the same time, if you've been listening to the other episodes this season, you'll understand that Malu, like the rest of our guests, still needs to follow up with her doctors and to do other things in order to keep the cancer at bay. As we've mentioned in previous episodes, Lauren Huffmaster was really the person who inspired this season of At the Same Time. Our conversation about the effects of a parent being diagnosed with cancer and what that does to the family conversation got me really curious and wondering, well, what's that like for other people going through a similar situation? And it seemed like the perfect conversation to have in this sort of a podcast and a good conversation for us to be having as a larger community and society. So because she was the one who inspired the season, I wanted Lauren to be the one to bring us to a close. When you talk about um, going to get scans and things and talking to your children about it, it just, it's like textbook how you're supposed to be talking to children. And so what I wonder is, were you always that good at providing information and clarity and things like that? Like, was there a pre and post cancer Lauren? Like, do you parent differently now? Well, I was a teacher. So, and and that is something I wanted to say, you brought up, you know, my life before cancer felt good. You know, I felt like I was living the happy life, had a good marriage. My kids were great. You know, we were living a good, happy life, but I did know inside of me that there was something else I wanted to accomplish in life. You know, I had Mm -hmm. this sense of, you know, teaching is great. It pays the bills. It's great for the kids' schedule. But deep down, I want to do something big. You know, I want to have a voice and have a reason um, to speak. And so, and so life can be good. You know, the question is, is it the great life? Is it, is it the purposed life? You know, there's so, there's a difference. And, and I think that it's, very easy, um, very comfortable to get on to, you know, the, the, you said the hamster wheel, but the question is, are you living that purposed life that, that maybe you feel deeper inside of you? And this is another gift of cancer. When you get used to living in uncertainty, it's a little easier to walk out of your job and try something new, right? When I got over the fear of dying, there was nothing left to fear. Like I'm gonna just jump off every cliff and, and like say whatever I wanna say because I don't really have anything left to be afraid of. And so it is an amazing opportunity to, once you become comfortable with just that uncertainty and there's no fear attached, maybe it's only potential or something different attached to it, then you can start stepping into those places that you only dreamed of before. That's not the question you asked me, but I wanted to say that. <laughs> no, I think that's really good. Cause I, I, again, like, and I don't know if this is something that just happens in your forties, but having these questions, cause all of the things fall into place that keep you stuck. Like you have a mortgage, you have a job, you have, you know, schedules and all of these things. And I wasn't one of these people in my twenties. I always liked to know what I was doing, but I had a number of friends who were like, I don't know. I'm just going to like go around. 
but once you get older, it's much harder to do that. But a, a number of my friends have been saying, life is good. But I feel like there's something richer, like that I'm just not getting to. But then we say, maybe eventually I'll have time to think about that at retirement. <laughs> so I feel like we're missing it. <laughs> we're we're gonna... missing it. We're missing it. Yeah. And I will tell you, I had a very comfortable life, you know, and I am, but every single day I get up excited and I, now I'm getting up earlier and earlier and earlier because I have so much excitement. I want to put into the day things I want to say, words I want to write. And so, but and none of it, I don't get paid for any of it. It is just out of pure excitement and passion. Like there's a difference between comfortable and living that like full enriched, abundant kind of life. And so I just really encourage people to rethink uncertainty. Yeah. And I think this is so interesting because we, we started off talking about cancer and yet I think your message is really salient for like us living as human beings. Mm -hmm. We can all learn from these lessons and, you know, I would love for us to learn from these lessons. I don't want people to have to go through cancer in order to have these kind of insights. Right. I want us, I'm happy. I'll be the one to get stage four cancer. Everybody else cannot have it. Just listen and learn and live well, live well. I have a question though. What if somebody is interested in donating to your foundation? How do oh, they yeah. go about doing that? Yeah, I so see. You can go to adventuretherapyfoundation.org mm-hmm. and there's a donate button there. I would love to have monthly donors. Um, these help me plan my budget over the course of the year. So please go to my website and um, choose to donate monthly. And that's it. I know that this season for me, doing the interviews and then especially going back and editing the episodes together has at times been pretty challenging because we are having a conversation about something that we in our society typically avoid, talking about cancer. But I learned so much about resilience, about thinking about ambiguity differently, about changing the conversation around things that scare us and about living a life that matches who I am and how I would like life to be. And so I hope that listening to this podcast will also inspire you to have conversations that maybe you wouldn't typically have in the hope of bringing something different to your life and the lives of others. So a huge thank you to Amy Artuzo, Sarah Haverstick, Malu Pinohu, and Lauren Huffmaster for helping us to have this conversation. And thank you so much for joining us for season three of At The Same Time. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate and subscribe to At The Same Time on whatever platform you use to get your podcasts. That way, you won't miss a single episode. We'd love for you to connect with us online. Our website is sametimepod.fireside.fm. You can also send us an email. Our address is sametimepod at gmail.com. Thank you to our guests, Malu Panohu, Amy Artuzo, Sarah Haverstick, and Lauren Huffmaster. Episode written and produced by Dr. Nikel Rogers-Wood. Music by purpleplanet.com. Copyright 2023 
by Nikkel Rogers Wood, PhD, and Elsa Rogers, PhD.